It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul, and in this episode, I speak to Michael Nardelli, producer and co-creator and actor of the upcoming series Dark Web. You'll be able to see that on Amazon, streaming starting on the 19th of July, 2019. I spoke to him as he was on his way to San Diego Comic-Con, and he shared with me some of the thoughts behind the creation of the series, as well as some of the themes that you can expect. We do get very spoilery throughout, so you should listen to this after you have seen all of the episodes. That would be my recommendation, and probably Michael's as well. If you're interested in knowing more about behind the scenes of the new series Dark Web, this is the place to get it. We're talking about Dark Web today. I've seen all eight episodes. Nice. Good job. (laughs) Thanks. So in watching them, I kind of got the idea that you might have been influenced by things like Twilight Zone and Philip K. Dick and Black Mirror and maybe even H.P. Lovecraft. Does any of that sound right? Yes. All those things, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, like X-Files was definitely a big influence as well. David Cronenberg, his movies were a big influence on me too with some of the, specifically with uh, episode seven that deals with kind of like the more body horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all those things that you referenced were definitely brewing in our brains when we were developing it for sure. What was that Cronenberg, was it Videodrome? Is that the right one? Videodrome, Where, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, now that you mention it. I definitely could see some of that in there. So is this sort of a group, collaborative sort of sort of deal, or, or is this one person's idea? The main people involved were myself, Mario Michoni, and my brother, Tim Nardelli. We did this movie, um, this Netflix film, well, it was acquired by Netflix in 2015, called Circle, which is kind of similar in tone. It's kind of like Twilight Zone-esque, kind of like Twilight Zone meets 12 Angry Men if you can imagine what that would look like. I think I've seen Circle. Oh, have you? Yeah, the 50 people in the room, and every two minutes one of them gets killed. And Yes, yes, um, I've seen that. Yeah, so that was our movie. And uh, <laughs> thanks for watching it. And um, <laughs> so we we did that together, and Dark Web was kind of our next more uh, ambitious step. And so we were kind of the three main creators on the show. And then we brought in, I guess we like to call them kind of like guest directors or guest writers for the anthology segments on the show. So Mario, Tim, and myself kind of outlined the whole show. We wrote and directed some of the anthologies. This gal, Roxy, she directed the main storyline, which we call kind of the A story, which is the serialized part with the characters kind of trying to figure out what happened to Molly. And then we had guest directors do, like Zelda Williams did the one that was kind of like zombies in the escape room. Bowman Modine did the one about the crazy rideshare driver. And, you know, so we had kind of, we call them guest directors. Um, Mm -hmm. The main... The whole show was pretty much developed by me, Mario, and Tim. Um, I had this idea of doing, you know, you were, you were right in thinking that Twilight Zone inspired me, for sure. And then I had this idea of, you know, wanting to do an anthology show, but wanting to make it different than what was already out there. So the idea was to sort of have these anthology segments, but have them be connected by one main 
connective tissue or one main storyline where the more you would watch it, you know, the more you'd get out of it and you'd see sort of symbols and, and character names and things like that that sort of tie this puzzle piece all together into one big mosaic. That was going to be my, my next question because I've watched a number of these kinds of shows and I can't really think of another one that marries the anthology kind of the freedom you get with story, your storytelling uh, with uh, from an anthology with the narrative thread of a, of a, of a serial unless, unless someone was uh, purposely making the story of the Crypt Keeper stitched together in, in the Tales from the Crypt I, I can't think of another, another that's show another that influence that. oh my god I forgot about that I love that show I grew up on that show I'm glad you said that I mean that's what made it exciting for us was the idea that we couldn't really think of a, 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 a case where it had been done, at least not as, as extensively as the way that we did it. You know, there's been anthology shows that have a host that kind of drops you into a story like, you know, Ron Serling, but mm-hmm. we've never seen one that had a serialized component that really connected everything and embedded all these stories into a larger story. And so, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. People are like, well, what would you compare it to? And we're like, well kind of an anthology show, but it's also serialized. So it's hard, at least for now, before people have seen it, to describe what the structure is. But right. we actually liked that about it. Like, we liked the idea that we were doing something that would hopefully feel fresh and kind of new when you watched it and not just kind of rehashing the same format over and over again because there's other people that have done it and done a great job with it. So, you know, we weren't trying to compete with them. We were trying to put our kind of fresh spin on it. Well, it definitely stands out in that, in that field for that right. reason. Were we able to follow it and everything? Because, you know, honestly, not many people have seen it yet, so I'm just curious what your honest reaction was because it's, you know, it's a bit unconventional. It is. The first episode, I was sort of, I hate to say it, sort of passively watching it, and I needed yeah. to go back and start That's it over okay. again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I had to go back and start it over again. I realized that we were looking at a story within a story, and that was how the anthology aspect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And once I realized it was a more active watch, then you know I made sure to to do that. Right off the bat, was like, who are we watching here? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that, that, See, that you is. Thought you were going to get away with a little uh, multitasking watch, and we were like, nope. Pretty much, yeah. This is not a a fold your laundry (laughs) sort of sort of thing. Okay. Well, I think that is a compliment. I I'm going to release this as either a transcribed or a podcast after you have the premiere in a few days. Are they dropping all the episodes all at once? Yes, they're all coming out on Friday, all eight episodes. I've had to get up on my dark web uh, history like in a, in a couple of days. Did you start out as a web series and then got the Amazon deal? We developed, We did this whole show independently, which was the same thing that we did with Circle. We did Circle as an independent movie, you know, raised the financing independently, developed it independently, did it all ourselves, and then it got acquired by Netflix after we premiered at Seattle Film Festival. And so the idea was to use that same kind of indie infrastructure but do a series, an eight-episode series, which grew in scope as we were developing it. I think Originally, you know, the episodes were maybe shorter and everything, and it, it just, we fell in love with it and it grew and we got over ambitious and it turned into a bigger thing. I never called it a web series just because, in my mind, web series are usually more contained. They're usually, at least from what I've seen, like in one room and focused on a few characters, whereas this had more of a far reaching, uh, larger you know, scope, uh, yeah. loca- locations and ca- gigantic cast and multiple directors and everything. So, you know, we kind of called it a, a digital series. It's unconventional, I guess, in every <laughs> every way, which which I kind of like about it. 
but I guess you, yeah, I guess you kind of called it an independent series or a digital series, and now it's, it's, it's just a series, I guess, coming out on Amazon, which is really cool. I think that you can do stuff on your own and then go get it to a big distributor like Amazon and have people around the world watch it. That is, I mean, for yeah, content that creators. Question. Well, it yeah. does. The, the idea of, of did, uh, was this like a you built it and they came to you sort of thing, or did you um, show it around in Amazon bit? We showed it around. We built it and we harassed everyone. <laughs> it's kind of how <laughs> we always do things. We finished shooting a couple of years ago, and then post-production took over a year because there were so many effects and we were doing it on such a tight budget. So that was pretty tedious. Yeah, we spent a couple months shopping it around, trying to get it out to, to, you know, all the usual suspects you would probably expect us to send it to and talk to. And then it, it premiered at ATV Festival in Atlanta in February, which is Entertainment Weekly and SCAD's TV Festival in Atlanta. And that was that was really helpful for us. And then we got invited to do this Comic-Con panel. And then, you know, out of everybody we talked to, Amazon just seemed like the best fit. They were the most passionate about it. We liked the idea that, you know, a show about the dark web was going to live on one of the biggest sites on the web. And I think streaming is definitely, you know, a better route for the show because it, it does hopefully, I think, have like a bingeability to it where the episodes kind of leave you hanging and you want to see what happens next. Well, I found it pretty bingeable. I also found it kind of interesting how you told as much story as you needed to tell in each episode and then moved on to the next episode. So if, if that meant it was 30 minutes, then it was 30 minutes. If that meant it was an hour... It was an hour, and that was unusual <laughs> for, for someone that, that yeah, uh, I'm glad you binges network that. TV. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, we, you know, we tr we talked to some kind of, you know, cable channels and network things and all that. You know, there's been a couple other shows that do that, um, like Louis C.K.'s Horace and Pete. The running times were different, and and also Serial, that podcast. I was really influenced by that as well because the running time for those sometimes it was like 20 minutes, sometimes it was an hour, um, and we liked the idea that the running time was only dictated by story to tell. It wasn't like okay, every episode has to be 40 minutes long or 30 minutes long. It was like all right, this episode has this much story, and you know if it's 28 minutes, that's it. You know, and we just kind of mm -hmm. trusted that, and we're very intentional about that. And we're like, oh boy, I hope this doesn't cause problems when we try to sell it because it's, it's a bit unconventional. But I'm glad to hear that you you appreciated that because we we were trying to be very authentic about well, one, what we were able to spend on it, which was not much, so we really couldn't pad it with too much filler. And then two, it was like, okay, well, let's just let's follow the you know the artistic instinct of like how much story is there to tell, and then if it's longer, great; if it's shorter, great. And hopefully, people appreciate that that we're not wasting their time. I liked it. I, I the thank you. So a lot to me actually. I'm well, good. I'm glad. You don't ever really get to talk to uh, filmmakers uh, quite one-on-one uh, -on -one like this, so uh, it's nice to have that interaction. You got to direct... I'm excited. Uh, People are watching it, finally. <laughs> <laughs> you got to direct Viral, yeah. which uh, I was watching this on the screener that Nilda sent me on my phone, so it's very small, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I look at it, and I'm thinking, is that Becky Sproles from Friday Night Lights? And I looked up. Sure it was. <laughs> yeah, Dora. That was pretty cool. I looked up your, your beats on, on IMDb, and I see directing is not really exactly what you're known for. Is directing where you want to expand into? I really like it, yeah. I love directing that episode. And in particular, I've done shorts and um, other things, but that almost felt like doing a little movie. Um, and it was crazy, and we filmed it in like five days, and there were so many shots and so many effects and everything. I like to do all of all the things. When I'm just an actor, I'm learning, and then when I'm directing, I'm learning a different side of the storytelling trade, and then I can take that into the other side. And then when I'm acting, I, I meet new actors that I sometimes wind up casting and things I'm producing, and 
I kind of like doing everything. I mean, if I had to choose, I would stick to acting just because it's probably the most fulfilling to me and the most challenging. But I really do love directing and writing as well. And to me, they're all the same and that they're all just storytelling and you're just doing them in different ways. When I looked you up and in your, in your, some of your recent work kind of meshes together with a lot of the people that you work with, it kind of reminded me of... Um, the duplices a little bit, how their core little group sticks together and just keeps making things and have little offshoots, but they but they more or less kind of work together. Does that, does that sound familiar? Yeah, the Duplass brothers that we said? Yeah, phone brothers right. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a big inspiration for me, too. I admire what they've done, for sure. Um, I guess the stuff we've done is a little bit more genre-based, but some of theirs have been, too. Especially in this, I really, I mean, I think there was, somebody cast either in front of the screen or behind from every single thing I've done, whether it's like an acting class or we have a bunch of actors from Circle. Circle is like its own repertory at this point because there are 50 actors in that. So mm. I feel like I'll be working with somebody from that forever. <laughs> but there were a lot of, I mean, Julie Ben was in Circle and she's in this. She's the voice of Rideshare. Renee, so many people from that were in, uh, Renee who played Zach in Dark Web was in Circle. Uh, Siobhan uh, Hogan, I worked with on this movie Another Happy Day like six years ago. She's hilarious. She was in Men in Black, the first one. You probably recognize her. She's done a ton of movies. But yeah, it's nice to work with your friends and nice to work with people that you worked with before because you kind of know what you're getting. You know, especially this show was so stressful and crazy every day that it was nice when a friend would show up who I'd worked with before because it kind of like calms you down a little bit. Like, oh, great, Siobhan's here or oh, Renee's back. And it's kind of like you're hanging with your friends instead of like dealing with all the crazy stressors that can happen when you're producing something. Going back to, to viral, there's a moment when they mention American Psycho. It's, uh, <laughs> Then when they're flipping through the the app and the American Psycho Eyes, and I was just thinking about how the episode kind of by the end of it you realize that uh, your narrator is highly unreliable <laughs> and you really can't yeah. trust anything that's coming through yeah, from her yep. perspective. Was, was that was that was that a tip off? By mentioning uh, American Psycho that you can't really trust what's happening here? Yeah, there's a lot of references in that episode that you can't really trust what she's saying. I mean, she starts the episode by saying, I tell stories. Her friend tells her she has an overactive imagination. Yeah, I definitely, there's a ton, a ton of little subtle things and stuff that's not so subtle. Um, <laughs> I wrote that one as well. The fact that she is not totally right in the brain. I was really influenced by this movie called The Innocence. Okay. Uh, it's an older movie. And also um, Propulsion, Roman Polanski's movie, was a big, huge uh, influence for that particular storyline. But yeah, good job. You picked up on that. <laughs> That's for sure the correct uh, analysis of her character. If I'm looking at the whole season without having seen the end, I might just kind of glibly say that you guys are saying something kind of anti-technology or maybe anti the way society is going right now or, or something, but the end actually wouldn't agree with that concept. What are you trying to say? We definitely talk about it being a, a cautionary tale because we have kind of invited all this new technology and social media and everything into our homes and our daily lives, and we're starting to see the consequences of that from, you know, really obvious things like cyber terror and hackers and some of the real-life things that are happening on the dark web that you see on the show, which are pulled from kind of real-life inspirations that have happened. Most of those things that you see on the show that are kind of horrific, like the, the organ transplant and the option for body parts and all that stuff. So that part of it's kind of the cautionary tale. It's all just blown up in our lives so big and haven't really stopped to question how safe it is. 
you know, and everything's open to interpretation once it's out there. We wrote with our themes and our intentions and everything, but how you and other people watch it experience is more valid at this point than what we think. And it's kind of spoilery with what happens at the end. But I think it does end, for me, in a little bit of a positive sense of uh, hope or that, you know, technology can be used for good if you're careful. And if you, <laughs> if you, you know, you've seen the last episode, if you train it, if you train it, you imbue it with a little humanity, which is what happens with Molly in the mirror. You know, she kind of trains it and, and gives it her heart and soul, not, not physically, but figuratively. And then I, I kind of think we're leaving things off in a better place. But we shall see. We shall that see what was, happens. Is that what you got on? That it? was where I that was pretty much what I what I thought with the added existential kind of stuff about what is life then. If mirror by the end of it seems more or less sentient. So now they have sort of a little little <laughs> Frankenstein's monster that they've got to deal with. Uh, one of them wants to shut it down. One of them doesn't care. You know, some of them want to want to let it free or whatever. And it's it's an interesting uh, way to end up. You know, it does make me go to my 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 last question, which is: Is there a dark web 2.0? That's so funny. That's what I would want to call it too. Some kind of 2.0 or 1.0, something like that. Uh, you're on it. Good job. Uh, <laughs> a lot of ideas for what it could be. It'll all depend on if people enough people watch it and enough people like it. But we definitely have a ton of ideas for what 2.0 could be, and even 3.0. Um, we have a lot of, you know, we've been working on it so long that we've had literally years to develop what the next steps would be if we get the chance to do it. So that would be exciting. And uh, I think if there was a 2.0, we'd go backwards before we'd go forward. But we shall see if we get that chance. I hope we do. That'd be really cool. Yeah, the challenge would be stitching in an excuse to keep doing the anthology. Moving forward with no more Molly to generate stories, you, you're going to need a reason to put the stories back in so that you can still do the anthology piece. Yeah, yeah, that's what's, uh, that's what's tricky about it. We have ideas for how, you know, you can keep that same story device but not have Molly. A trip back to the 90s is kind of the idea for season two if we ever get to do it. Wow, yeah, that, that, that could really do it. I remember the 90s and how especially things like the internet were represented on, on movies. It was all very mystical and it could basically do anything to ruin your life. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, that'd be pretty yeah, fertile. It'd be a cool, I think it'd be a cool, um, you know, sort of the way Mad Men, you know, analyzed the sixties and kind of showed how, you know, the events of the sixties and advertising and everything informed our future. I think um, we have some ideas of how going back to the 90s and sort of the, the birth of Silicon Valley and all that stuff would play into what you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get to do that, but, you know, we'll see. Well, um, that was all I have for today. Good luck at Comic-Con, and, and, I, and I hope to see the, uh, more uh, out of this story. Yeah, thank you so much for watching all the episodes. I, I really appreciate it, and, um, and I, you know, I really appreciate it. I can definitely tell you, uh, I can definitely tell you watched them. So thank you. We've been living in this uh, bubble of finishing it forever. It's nice to talk to somebody who gave it their time and seemed to uh, get get the theme that we were going for. So thank you very much, Paul. It was a pleasure. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but...
but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.